This is Entrepreneur's Podcast. That's entre, like Spanish for between. Pre. Like our prepubescent sense of humor. And nerds, like the guys around the microphone. My name's Kareem. And I'm Daniel. And we're coming to you live from Columbus, Ohio. We're not live. Okay, it's pre-recorded. Give In me fa- a break. <laughs> well, I mean, it's live right now. But when they listen to it, it won't be live. But it'll be the first time they heard it. It's like new to you, like a used car. That's our slogan. New, like a used car. (laughs) Hey, guys, we're back. So we are continuing our Columbus Creative Entrepreneur Week. And who do we have today, Daniel? Um, This is a real, live creative entrepreneur. Her name is Danielle Evans. And since 2013, she's really combined her love of lettering, design, photography, and eating, obviously, to create food typography. She invented an entire category of design, uh, and her work is now internationally regarded as innovative uh, and mouthwatering, according to her website. And she's inspired a lot of cool new trends. One of the neat things is the very first big gig she ever had was for Target, and she talks about this in this interview. But if you're going to have a big gig... Uh, or a first gig as an artist, uh, probably doing it with Target as a huge international brand is a pretty good one to get. Yeah, I would say so. So she is a uh, Columbus native. Now, we were talking about this before the recording, and to me, it seems like it's the natural evolution of people posting photos of their food on Instagram, but you disagree. Well, I think if people love pictures of food, okay, and people like pictures of good design, right? So you're combining them, so I understand sort of where you're coming from. Right, because, I mean, we can – there's 15 different people posting photos of the same taco on Instagram every every day, but she is actually using those tacos. Is it a really good taco? I mean, maybe. (laughs) They're just Taco Bell tacos, the ones that they're giving away at the the NBA finals. Anyway – uh, so basically my very uh, simplified explanation of, of this medium is instead of posting a photo of a taco, you use a bunch of tacos to write the word taco and you post a photo of that. Or what, more creatively, write the word fiesta or something like that, <laughs> right? It wouldn't be as explanatory. Um, there's, I think there was one I saw where it looked like ground beef and she had wrote it into the word like raw ground write, where's beef. Where's the beef? It was just sizzling. Sizzling, um, but there's some great stuff. Uh, we'll uh, she'll give you her plugs and stuff, but I'll give them to you now too. Go to Marmalade Blue. That's Marmalade uh, all A's except the e at the end, and then Blue B L E U E dot com. Lots of cool stuff. Or foodtypography.com. dot com. She's got that one too. But this interview is really cool. And if you love this interview and other ones, check out Patreon dot com slash Entrepreneurs Podcast to give us a little more support so we can keep doing interviews like this. So here's Daniel and Danielle. Hey everyone, it's Daniel the Retailer here. We're continuing our Creative Entrepreneur series today, and we are with local creative entrepreneur Danielle Evans in her home. Hi, Danielle. Hey, Daniel. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. Danielle is the founder of Marmalade Blue, a nimble creative agency specializing in typography and photo illustration. Danielle has a degree in illustration and has worked with clients like Target, McDonald's, John Frieda, The Guardian, Tazo, Disney, Cadillac, The Washington Post, and Kellogg, among others. So, uh, Danielle, that is uh, quite a resume. Tell us how people can find you and find out about all the cool work you've been doing. 
Well, you can find me at my website, marmaladeblue.com. You can also type that in as m-b-l-e-u-e.com. I also have foodtypography.com, which is dedicated specifically to food-based lettering. And I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Marmalade Blue. Awesome. Um, I encourage you guys to get check those sites out because it's really crazy to kind of see the stuff that Danielle does. And in fact, when you start looking at it, you realize that some of the stuff you might have actually seen. What are some of the campaigns that you've done you think people remember you for or think about when they see your work that, or they see and they're like, oh, that's totally Danielle? Oh, they've probably seen some of my work for Target. That was my very first job, and I've had three campaigns with them since. Um, all of them are based in spices, um, gumdrops, fun. Like All of the work I've done for Target is just extremely fun. The copywriting is always brilliant. The photography is um, lively and interesting, and it just it grabs people, I think. I've also done a Tazo commercial where we use stop motion in tandem with my lettering out of spices, peppercorns, and whatnot that were within the teas that they wanted to sell. That's cool. Yeah. And there's a YouTube video, I think it was about your target work, that mm -hmm. talks about your process and how you go about it. And there, I think there was like a laundry, like a an ironing board that you were like laying yeah. stuff out on trying to figure out. Um, I, I think one of the things you said in that uh, YouTube video was about uh, the food typography is really interesting to you because it only lasts a certain amount of time. It's Indeed. an art that disappears. Mm -hmm. Indeed. I've had people compare it to the uh, mandalas of the Tibetan monks, in a sense. And I find that to be very true. It's this experience where I'm building these, these objects out. I'm not using stencils. I'm not using grids and not using sketches or projections because I feel in the moment I'm to be guided by the materials. We're having almost in a way a conversation with each other of what they can do, what they can't, and based on their time frames and how long they last, what I can accomplish in the short amount of time I have. So it exists for everybody in the room, either the client, myself, the team that's helping me capture it, and then we wipe it away and dig it into the trash or make it into something to eat later. That's happened a few times. <laughs> You're like, well, we can't throw away all these jelly beans. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, speaking of sort of, you get, you just said my first job was for Target. And most people, when they say that, they mean uh, like as a cashier. Right. <laughs> um, well, well, I had plenty of those, let's be honest. Right. Well, in fact, we actually met at the container store. And, uh, but for the, and I know some of your background, but for our listeners, tell us a little bit more about sort of how you got into, uh, got to the point where you had a job doing food typography for Target. Sure, of course. Well, it was a, an unglamorous <laughs> way to begin my career. I feel like I listen to other designers and illustrators who have these very illustrious careers, long lists of clients, very impressive work. And it's always the squeaky polished, I went to a nice school, I got a beautiful job out of college, and oh, I'm just casually working in New York now. And I, <laughs> and I go, well, that wasn't me at all. So right. I, I went to school for illustration. I wanted to learn to tell stories, and I felt that telling stories was integral to our society, especially with um, the way that kind of Apple had taken over the cultural mecca of, of visuals with this like austere, um, pixel perfect way of, of like conveying imagery to people that was permeating all different types of industries. And I felt I couldn't really compete with that. I'm not a perfect person. And so 
as the kind of storytelling movement was coming in, it was a little bit scrappier, a little more homegrown, and a direct response to housing crisis and the lack of funding that people had. They had to just cobble things together. That seemed to be more my niche, (laughs) (laughs) more my speed. So I, I went to school. Most people don't say the housing crisis inspired me to be a a different kind of artist. (laughs) Well, I don't think people think about it in that regard, but most art is a reaction to something. And in my particular case, it was a reaction to a lack of money. So with illustration, I eventually ran into typography and graphic design, which is a sexy, sleek, um, sophisticated way to move people. And it's usually based in um, maneuvering pre-existing items together to tell a story. So I see the connection between these two points, but they're very different disciplines. And I wonder how the hell can I can I get into this get into this strange little valley between these two places? Do I have to make a bridge? Do I have to like? slough through some ideas and it turns out I had to slough through my own creative process for four years working at the mall (laughs) 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 to make that work right but the beauty of that is um in meeting you at the container store for example you and other people there had taught me how to sell which is not something that a lot of artists grow up learning how to do anyway and I had very little experience with that in school some but not enough to um self-validate basically So I learned the beauty of a soft sell, which is here's a purpose. This work can be a vehicle for something else. It can have an end product, but we have to maybe discover what that is together. And so I think learning how to soft sell creative work showed me I don't have to have all the answers at the beginning of the project. I can can brainstorm a lot of the problems that come about and maybe the pitfalls in building something. But by the end of it, you know, we're we're all learning together. Yeah. We're okay with that. And you explain it as the soft sell. And I think that uh, a lot of great business and sales books explain you don't sell the, you're not, if you're selling computer software, you don't talk about the software. Right. You talk about what the software does for the customer. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't talk about, um, well, I'm going to take beef and put it in the shape of the word sizzling. Right. You know, (laughs) you say, what we're going to do is inspire people and make them smile. Yes. And that's going to associate people with fun and happiness with your brand. Mm -hmm. And that's going to make them want to come into your brand. And we're going to try to communicate that through visuals, not just in the commercial, but in the marketing campaign in the building. So it all feels like exactly, it just continues that experience. Right, right. And it's a, for me, I think the linchpin for where um, I moved to food and objects to convey lettering was realizing I needed multi-sensory experience. It's one thing for art to look nice. Lots of art looks nice, but to feel it, to smell it, to want to grab it and taste it, that's a whole different ball game. That's a little bit of like the culinary world or the styling world. That's a little bit of the entertainment world and figuring out how to pull all of those things into one vehicle or experience was what I wanted out of my brand in my studio. So now you have this brand, Marmalade Blue. What does that mean? Where did that come from? (laughs) It's total nonsense. (laughs) But I'm okay with that. (laughs) As I am mostly nonsense. (laughs) Right. Essentially, my name is very common. Um, I'm in competition for most of my SEO with one of the America's Next Top Models and also an aspiring writer that wrote, sit down before you hurt your damn self. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot compete with that, Uh (laughs) clearly. So I realized um, I needed to come up with a moniker. And the beauty of doing this was it gave me some um, distance between myself and my work, especially for artists. It's very difficult to put space 
between you and what you're doing. So if something isn't working, you tend to feel like a failure. <laughs> and I find that, um, having that having that room, that buffer, gave me space to go, okay, well, I need to problem solve why this project didn't go so well or why I'm not busy as opposed to why am I not generating things? Why am I sucking so hard? Um, but I decided to go for something that sounded melodical. I feel if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a moniker, people should want to say it. It should kind of sit nicely in their mouth. And so sitting in the shower, marmalade's a pleasant name. It's kind of silly and quirky. I'll take that, but it needed one more syllable. And I realized blue is pretty evident of like a color scheme or just a feeling that I have when I look at my work, but I wanted to spell it in the French feminine, B-L-E-U-E. It sounds the same, but I hoped it would attract a larger international audience and very specifically the francophone community. The crazy thing was my first job with Target uh, was a bilingual job for French and English for the Canadian markets. And so I'm standing over this sprinkle thing and I'm just kind of like rubbing sprinkles out of my eye, you know, because <laughs> I'm crying because it worked. Um, so that was a really beautiful thing, seeing that materialize and bucking all the rules of people can't find you. Well, they'll find you. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, when I think of um, that validation that must have been, you know, I mm -hmm. think that um, anybody would be emotional in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always emotional when I have sprinkles in my face. <laughs> <laughs> Sugar gets in your eyes. Right. So you get that job from Target. You're a creative entrepreneur now. You don't have to have any uh, bones about saying that out loud. Mm -hmm. You know, you can also say to people, I am an artist, where sometimes right. people are weird about like, oh, well, I do stuff and I'm creative, but I don't want to be called an artist. You have validated all of that. What sucks about it? <laughs> well, I think after doing this, I've been doing this now for four and a half years, um, which is crazy to say. I was told I'd have two, maybe. Um, but this just keeps going in the community. You were told. I was told that this was a trend that would see about two years worth of use. It is now four and a half years in for me. Is that person still in your life? No. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever that agent or mentor was. No. <laughs> and maybe that's that's part of why, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, but but I realized. Um, Part of this experience has been interesting because it's it's like a flowchart. Everything I'm doing is a flowchart. Did this work? Yes, no. If no, why? If yes, can it be repeated? Uh, I've come to a place where I've almost tapped out on what I can do as one person. And I think everyone gets to this place where they they are putting their hours in, they're putting the time in, they're doing weekends, they're doing late nights, and they realize I'm not able to ascend any higher in what I'm offering. Why? And I started realizing it was either one of two things. I either didn't have the room, like the physical space, because this is all done in real life. It requires space and time and lights and cameras and whatnot. Uh, maybe I don't have enough room. And then I thought, well, maybe I just don't have enough manpower. And I couldn't figure out which- Or woman power. Or woman power. <laughs> they power. <laughs> right. I didn't, have, I didn't have enough of that. Um, and I wasn't sure which it was. But I've learned, as I look back at my at my beginnings of my career, oftentimes I do my best work when there are production teams. So photographers, gaffers, various people assisting with the tedium of a shoot so that I can focus very hard on building this stuff out. So my role ends up becoming an art director that also does production in a lot of cases. In some cases, it fuzzes into creative direction, which is a really great place to be. Um, but... I guess I had an intern for the first time last month, and she was incredible, 
and a high school student that was very driven and focused and was just so immensely helpful. I saw the productivity just, I think it was around 200%. Wow, that's terrific. Yeah, through the roof. And so I'm realizing I just need more people on a consistent basis. I do hire out assistants for jobs. I will often bring in other um, photographers if the budgets are healthy to help me out with these things. But that was that was one of those struggles that I've only recently just solved. So what sucks is trying to realize what you have to or um, need to give up. Yeah. You know, do I give up my social media? Do I give up my yeah. email communication? Do I give up my accounting? What are those things that somebody can take off of my plate or the person that moves the camera while I'm doing the work? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, you're used to having 100% control over everything. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've never been one to want a ton of control over things. Uh, for me, I recognize where my strengths and weaknesses are. My weaknesses are in accounting. I have a CPA. Um, my, you do? I do. Mm-hmm. Wow. He's out of Lancaster. He's great. <laughs> That's nice to have your own accountant. Yeah, yeah, he's wonderful. I mean, I still have to make sure I'm tracking things, which mm-hmm. is its own monster. But you know, a lot of people <laughs> use um, those sort of like virtual assistants who mm-hmm. uh, specialize in accounting and they charge by the hour or something like that. Um, but it's nice to make sure you have a personal relationship with somebody. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I think, too, again, it just speaks to the fact that the tedium, the particulars, and the details are not my forte at mm-hmm. all. Um, I also have an agent, which is fantastic, and they handle a lot of the negotiations, the tracking people and the hassling them for funding, you know, like, where's my money? Um, And that has been fantastic. I've learned within the client experience, if I am the person that has to go, hey, you guys are late on your invoice, love what we did together, had a great time, but I really need you to pay up or I'm going to have to add some additional, you know, fees. Charges, right. Yeah, and I've found that... Regardless of whether or not we had a great experience, regardless of whether or not we had a good relationship, if I have to be the one to say that, oftentimes I will not hear back from them or it will do some subconscious damage to the relationship. But having someone to play the bad cop to my good cop, that is invaluable. I will pay for that. Yeah, that's terrific. <laughs> well, think about, is there is your agent in town? Like, are there creative agents in Columbus, Ohio? Here's the crazy thing. My agent is located in Columbus, but the office out of which he runs is in Chicago. So he does back and forth trips to the main office in Chicago. He deals with, I think, around 15 other people. So it's a pretty boutique-style agency still, but he is a fantastic human being. And he also... um, he is very active in the creative community. He'll come to events when I throw them. And I mean, he's very supportive. And I recognize that that is highly unusual. Most people are not finding agents in their town. You want to plug him? Yeah. Ryan Appleton for Satellite Office slash Reach. Um, it's a dual sister agency, but they are fantastic. They they rep many photographers, um, experienced designers, and illustrators, wonderful, wonderful And I think guys. a lot of those creative entrepreneurs just get stuck in trying to represent themselves and they're mm-hmm. like, screw this. I'm not selling. I don't want to bill. I don't want to do any of that. Mm-hmm. So having somebody who is specializes in it is so key. Exactly. And I also feel, um, for me, my first three or four jobs, which were with Target Macaroni Grill, The Guardian, and one other, I can't remember who the other one was, but these were large entities where I was doing the billing. I was doing the negotiating with an art buyer And that's crazy because I'm me from Columbus, Ohio, just, I don't know what I'm doing, but knowing how to do those skills and then offending them to someone else, I think is really powerful because you can also have a say into how they're doing things. And if something should happen where the relationship changes, you're not stuck. 
And it's time for the halftime show, brought to you by Blueberry. Daniel, what do we have? <laughs> well, as Danielle was just talking about, you need help. You need somebody in your network that has your back, that can support it. So Blueberry.com is where we go for our hosting and statistics and everything like that. You can, for 5 bucks a month, have statistics or $20 a month like we do, get a bunch of hosting. Uh, they really help us out. Blueberry.com. That's Blueberry, no ease, dot com. And you can use Entrepreneurs as your uh, promo code. I guess that's what they call it in right. these spots. Mm-hmm. Promo code Entrepreneurs. Get your first month off for free. That's a great jingle. Well, for first month off for, for free is not a sentence. <laughs> well, it is. I, anyway. Anyway. Blueberry.com. Use Entrepreneurs as your promo code because you'll get your... First month off for free. <laughs> anyway, back to the interview. So now you're, uh, now you're going into these meetings with clients. Mm-hmm. You've learned from some really huge names in, uh, uh, you know, capitalism world. <laughs> we talk a lot about conscious capitalism. I won't ask you to name which ones feel conscious and which ones don't. <laughs> but uh, when you go into a meeting with a client. Uh, or you are on the phone with them or they do a Skype call with you and they want to talk to a project, what's the first question you ask them? Oh, it's probably something like, tell me, (laughs) do you have a brief? (laughs) So I've learned that um, as a creative person, it is my job to ask a million questions because when someone says they want something classic, classic does not mean the same thing to me as it probably does to you. fun, sophisticated, all of these adjectives are rooted in their own experience. They're not rooted in mine. And so I have to do a lot of digging and a lot of like kind of sneaky psychology to get them to offer up what it is that they want. Because sophisticated could sound to somebody as like a Zaf Chancery. Right. Or it could sound like Times New Roman. Right, exactly. Completely different thing. Completely different ideas. I mean, you're talking the difference between something chiseled and live, laugh, love. And (laughs) it's very different. It's very different. So it's, I feel like in my personal life, that has bled into me asking a thousand questions of, of, all of my relationships, trying to ascertain what people actually want or need and how, if I can provide that to them. So, Usually I'm looking for a brief where people explain, these are our influences, these are our ideas, this is the copy that we have written. Occasionally I will be asked to write copy for a job. That ends up becoming a completely different um, kind of scope of work. I also am looking for opportunities. So something I've learned about my job is that I don't just design lettering. I also have been a hand model. I have been on camera as in some weird ways a spokesperson. Uh, I've learned that because I am somewhat articulate, people will people want me to speak to their product, and that's a whole new avenue that is opened up to me. It's almost like a strange influencer, but not quite in the sense that I'm educated in these things and I'm talented, and it's not just me wearing a cute dress and holding a product. It's very, you know, it's like some sort of intelligent thought behind these philosophies going together. And that was something that I would have never said, oh, someone will put me on camera later. (laughs) No one will do that. But it's an opportunity that now I'm looking for. Uh, Travel is always a big question that I ask, too. I've learned, I put on my website, willing to travel, you know, let me know, call me with my agents. I have a quote form where it asks, like, is travel required for this job? If so, where? And just having the option of it out there, people are suddenly like, well, wait, maybe we would like her to come come work. And so the, I would say maybe 75% of my job has been out of the city, 
it's been in other countries, it's been in major cities around the US, and I've seen a lot more than I probably would have had I not thought to put that out there. So it's simply, I guess when you ask, I'm asking questions. I'm asking questions that people are not thinking of when I get into these meetings, and I'm trying to be extremely personable because I'm realizing if there are other people bidding for the job, if I'm making them laugh, if I'm explaining things well, and if I'm putting them at ease, I have a greater chance of getting that job than someone else. Yeah, somebody else might show up and say, here's what we've come up with ideas. And they're like, we, you don't even know, we haven't told you about our brand or right. what we're going for. Why are you showing me this idea? Right, yeah. exactly. Well, so uh, you mentioned that um, you do do some work in Columbus. And, um, you know, being an entrepreneur in Columbus, what kind of excites you about the entrepreneurship scene here in this city? It's it's a beautiful place for a couple reasons. The first being that there are so many kinds of people working <laughs> working on the down low, basically, here. I can think of maybe 10 or 20 different people off the top of my head that have done national and international work, but call this place home. And that's beautiful to me, that, that this is a place where someone can put their head down and quietly work, and at the same time, be rewarded for that hard work without having to like feel the pressure of mounting rent costs or the inability to go relax or just having the flexibility to travel in the off time because the cost of living is what it is. And secondly, the community is extremely supportive. This is one of those cities that for its size, you would expect more cutthroat um, opposition of each other and competition. But in reality, because most of the work is based in other cities, that competition is greatly reduced because we recognize that our markets are elsewhere. So we're bringing good money. We're bringing good money into our city. Some of it's done locally, but for the most part, it's done elsewhere. And that's super impressive. Uh, I've heard a lot about that level of collaboration, and mm -hmm. there are uh, often uh, opportunities for the community to sort of meet and learn about each other and network, and I know you're involved with one called Rise and Design. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So Rise and Design is a first Friday meetup with, I collaborate with my friend Yao First Chen. Friday meetup. Yep. So the first Friday of every month. First Friday of every month, 9 to 11 a.m. We are very chill. We don't do business cards. We actually uh, have a directory where we keep members' names that if you want to connect with them afterward, that's cool. But mostly it's chill breakfast vibes. And we have a diverse group of people, some designers, some florists, uh, a voice actor, a creative technologist. Uh, I think we've had a couple musicians in there, but all diverse ages and backgrounds. And it's the most fantastic thing because you realize being a creative person, um, I might be tempted to say, oh, like all these lettering people doing what I'm doing we're all the same. That's actually so limiting. There are so many people, if you have um, an unusual job or an unusual way of thinking about business, that makes you creative because you're outside of the scope of the norm. And so we want to foster that within our group. So we talk about pricing, we talk about um, how, how to work-life balance, we talk about some of the people have children, like how are you focused when you have these kids running around in your house? Um, where do you go? Where do you go when you have questions about your agent or your lawyer or whatever. And we're just expanding this like crazy. We also have a, a happy hour that we've started to accommodate anyone who cannot take time off in the morning for those who are in-house, for example. So we are having our first um, happy hour at Curio January 14th from 5 to 7. Oh, I love Curio. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Tra I, I married Travis to his wife, Emily. Ooh. Um, and I actually painted one of the walls in Curio. Which one? <laughs> um, the, when you come in, the wall that has the um, 
antlers on it. Yeah. That's the wall I painted. Oh, it's beautiful. I think he repainted it after <laughs> I painted it because I was pretty bad at it. Um, but uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. I love Travis. Um, so I, when people want to go find out about Rise and Design, is there a website? There or? is. It's called Rise.Design. It's that simple. You're kidding. Yeah. That's a website? Yeah. Dot Rise.Design. Dot design. Dot design is a domain, and sometimes um, different sites don't love that, but it works. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, really cool. So speaking of these people that you've met and you know of in Columbus, what are a couple maybe either creative entrepreneurs in general or local creative entrepreneurs that sure. you know of that you appreciate? Well, I think I would be remiss to not speak to my friend Yao, Yao Cheng. She is a watercolorist. She has a studio and she runs partially as a freelance um, designer, a brick and mortar. She sells watercolor products and has worked in tandem with people like West Elm before her lines. Um, she is also a calligrapher and wedding developer. She does everything and she is a shining example of someone taking a very traditional discipline, which would be Chinese watercolor and expanding it into a modern, um, a modern audience and market. Her offerings are just fantastic. And she's such a joy to partner with on, on this creative meetup. As soon as you just said all that, I'm like, I need to go figure out where her stuff <laughs> is. That's really cool. And is it her studio that hosts the rise yes. and design? Very cool. Exactly. So she is wonderful. Uh, these are things Jen and Omar are fantastic. They are, I think spearheading the patch and pin game. I don't know if you've seen the resurgence of enamel pins in the last couple years, mm -hmm. uh, but they have they have been doing this. Oh my god, for for a while, and they they sell to Urban Outfitters and all sorts of various like they wholesale with various well known uh, businesses. These are things. These are things. Cool. They, yeah, they also now are starting to produce patches and pins. Um, I think of Andy J Miller. He is also known as Andy J Pizza. He has a dot pizza domain. <laughs> but he is an illustrator and podcaster. He's the host of the Creative Pep Talk, and it's a fantastic... Um, it's been beautiful watching him grow his brand out also. I helped recently with the Creative Pep Rally, which was a workshop, one-day workshop, that included myself, Kyle Sheely, and Brad Montague, a kid president, all of us converged in Columbus, Ohio, and for 12 Wait, hours... Brad Montague of Kid President? He isn't the actual kid president. He's not the kid. He is the um, uncle and director of the kid. <laughs> That's so funny. I just, I sent uh, some of my coworkers a kid president video about graduation. Oh, right on. And they're like, who's kid president? I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> Be your own Beyonce. Right. <laughs> But he was here. He yeah, was here. And that's awesome. Yeah, we were we were building out this event and just helping people kind of find their own creative path. And and that was so cool to see how a podcast could turn into physical events, could turn into um, additional speaking on the road kind of situations. And so what Andy's doing to further the cause of creative people is just fantastic. So not to plug another podcast on your podcast. No, we love the podcast <laughs> community is very... Um, collaborative and yeah, we, we love talking about other podcasts and supporting them. So we'll check that out. It's funny. There's, there's the pizza part and the pep part. So it's like creative pepperoni pizza. That's what I kept saying in yeah. my own head. So I did a, I did a stop motion piece announcing it where it was pepperoni as <laughs> of course you did. Right. Right. Of course. Of course you did. It's, <laughs> awesome. it's a megaphone for pep. Uh huh. <laughs> so, um, two last questions. The first sure. one is, we talked about sort of what sucks. Um, what surprise? What has surprised you the most in the last ten years? I think ooh, that's a good question. 
I think I have come to a place where I realize this is only going to continue getting bigger and better. My work um, has now evolved into a small community, which is crazy. There are other people doing similar things, and they have their And own. you were really the pioneer. I mean, there wasn't a lot... There was. I don't remember any ad campaigns or anything where anybody was doing what you were doing. Yeah. And it, it, it created a whole segment. It's a super weird thing to say because you're like, you assume that all of this stuff just comes out of somewhere, some ether. But in a lot of cases, everything that's designed is by someone. Mm -hmm. And so that was strange. But realizing that there is more work to be had, like for example, as we discussed, I just had a job with McDonald's and McDonald's has always been a benchmark client in my brain. If they ever hired me, that meant this was going to go mainstream. That meant um, there would be more work, but that I definitely have to evolve my process and my offerings, which I've been doing for the last six months. So I feel pretty good about being ahead. Um, that's exciting. But recognizing that the scarcity of it, there is some scarcity sometimes. But for the most part, people are really excited about the everyday objects we touch and how those can communicate more deeply than a pen or a pencil. They have their own um, substance that they're bringing very literally to mm -hmm. the work that I'm doing and to the work that other people are doing. And every person who's touching these things, with the exception of a few, have their own distinct way of using them, ways I would have never thought to play. And so I find this is improving. This mm -hmm. is getting better and bigger. And this could very much be here to stay. It's like your thinking evolved from when will this end yes. to where can I take it? Yes. And that was a really difficult struggle because for a while you, you build something out and it is very purposeful and meaningful to you. And then as it gets into the internet and into the world, you see people kind of bastardizing it or Frankensteining portions of it where you go, well, that doesn't make sense. Why did they do that? Oh, they're doing it because they think this is how this is supposed to look. And so in some ways you watch an idea or a purpose you stand for become a brand. And it that's hard to watch as an artist because mm -hmm. you're not taught to do things for dollars. You're taught to do things out of the goodness of your soul. <laughs> and, um, but now I'm seeing the power of that where if I put out certain intention or purpose or meaning, that means that somewhere, someone somewhere else on the other side of the globe or the other side of the country or some language set I don't even speak can be touched and absorb that into themselves and into their lives. And I think that's a big responsibility. So figuring out how to do that in a way that is beneficial to everyone is kind of the upper echelon of this sort of business. You know, I yeah. think, and I think secondarily, I've learned um, there are kind of steps to the right kinds of work. The first step is by impressing yourself, by finding a way to communicate creatively that speaks to your voice, your preferences, and even your own mistakes, and one that is personal, deeply personal. Because I don't think you can make good work or a touch on the world unless you're impressing yourself. And only when you're impressing yourself do you hit this next step of impressing people to pay you. Um, because good work will speak, it will pass, it will grow, and people will see it and want to foster more of it because we're looking for beauty. The world right now is a shit show <laughs> and we're looking to foster goodness. Um, but then you have this higher echelon, one that very few of us actually reach, which is doing good work for the sake of other people, um, this altruistic artist dream. And I think you can only do that once you've shown the level you're willing to work at for money and for good money. 
in which case you start to get like celebrities or bigger brands who nonprofits that really have a solid message that they want to see conveyed. That's when you get the good work, doing the good work. And so I, I'm hopeful that in the next few years I will get there, but I've seen that that is the trajectory that this follows. And so I'm, I'm excited for that to happen. I just don't know when. <laughs> well, um, on, on those different levels of stages, you've definitely impressed me, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> Uh, and and I, I think if people met you uh, and talked to you for 30 minutes, they, uh, you know, 10 years ago, they might have thought she has so much energy and so much passion for what she does. I'm sure she'll be successful. Um, other people might have said, well, God bless her. God bless. I'm sure she'll be a really funny illustrator. Maybe she'll make cards. Um, you know, yeah. but the to watch you who you are now and what you've learned over the past just so incredibly impressive so thank you you for doing what you do because it does inspire others and has inspired them Uh, i want you to tell people one more time how to find you and um we'll make sure that they get uh, all that information on our blog too sure you can find me at marmalade blue that's m-a-r-m-a-l-a-d-e b-l-e-u-e.com you can also search danielevans.co foodlettering.com com dimensional type.com i've got all those domains i've right. got every possible iteration of marmalade <laughs> blue you're like these are only like ten dollars a piece i'm just buying all of these. an unforeseen setback <laughs> of a really complicated name but you can also find me on foodtypography.com. that is my strictly food um, blog that i have on tumblr it is its own entity now and you can find me on instagram and twitter and pinterest at marmalade blue awesome thank you so much danielle yeah thank you for having me that was the end of the podcast see that was Danielle Evans of Marmalade Blow and Daniel the retailer also known as Dan (laughs) Columbus Dan Dan the man thanks Kareem and thanks for showing everyone what creative entrepreneurship week is all about being creative See what happens when we let him do his own thing? All of a sudden he becomes Kareem Noir, podcaster, and private eye. (laughs) You've been listening to Entrepreneurs Podcast. Please check us out on patreon.com slash entrepreneurs podcast. Or you can find us at the Whiskey A Go Go, 9 to 5 on Saturdays. (laughs) Are we starting a jazz band? Oh, it's been jazz up in here. We should probably end now before Kareem gives us another character that frightens us. Au revoir, darlings. <laughs> <laughs>